The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. You're listening to Pure Rock Radio. Feed your addiction. Hey, this is Lori Bravo, and I'm from Nuclear Death, and you're listening to Radioactive Metal. Welcome to Radioactive Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Bravo, Bravo episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 632, and I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron, and dear listeners, this episode, like every episode, is brought to you by the fine folks at True Coke Coffee. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T coffee.com. Go out, subscribe, because when you subscribe, you not only not run out of coffee, because... Let's face it, I'm pretty sure coffee's the only thing that has stopped, like, mass killings since COVID's <laughs> happened, right? Like, you know, people like to say, oh, gun laws, gun laws, blah, blah, blah. No, no, I'm pretty sure, like, that if we took away coffee, that it wouldn't even matter if there were not a single gun anywhere available in the United States. If we took, if we shut down all the coffee, no coffee, like, I'd give it, like, a week tops and just riots in the streets. Right? It'd be crazy, right? <laughs> so, keep yourself from being a raving lunatic when you don't want to be, right? Because that's important, because sometimes we do. Like, we're metalheads. I get it, right? Mm-hmm. But subscribe, truecallcoffee.com, right? You're not only going to not run out of coffee, you will get not one, but two great bands, and occasionally... Every now and then, there's three. Now, when you hear this, you're already past the November subscription, which there's a third band hanging out. But Mr. Coffee Bean Ocalta is doing all kinds of new stuff. He has already started um, Black November. So check out the website to find out how to get discounts for that. Because he's not even Black Friday. He's like, no, Black November. You know, I mean, honestly, like I think 2020 should have just been like the black year. Like it's, it's, it's like this is like like it feels like the Middle Ages and the in the days of the plague. You know, the, like the Black Plague and all that sort of stuff. Like just whew, 
Okay, but it's a great time. So trvekvltcoffee.com. Support those fine folks because they support this show. And they're just damn fine people. And Definitely. Dear Snowman, like we haven't talked about the beer I've been drinking in a while. And we're just going to segue into it because we're going to go from coffee to beer. Because, you know, sometimes coffee <laughs> and beer are brewed together and made together. And um, I know True Cult Coffee, there's a guy somewhere in Europe who buys true cold coffee and then turns it into beer. Like he, he roasts in his mm-hmm. beer and I'm so jealous. Like I keep telling, you know, coffee, you know, cult. I'm like, I need that. I need that. Mm-hmm. But so I picked up this beer and, um, tonight felt like a stout night. Like I need like an Imperial stout and it's called Siberian night. And you just mm-hmm. see like these glowing wolf eyes on the, on the bottle. I'm like, yeah, that feels like a true cult coffee, like a radioactive metal kind of thing here. Right. So Definitely. I crack this beer open and I pour it and it is like, I am pouring tar into a glass. Like it is that dark and that's the kind of beer I enjoy. Now I'm going to, I'm bringing this up early because this is, hang on, I had it a second ago. This is 9.7% alcohol by volume, which is up there with dragon's milk. And dear listeners, if you've um, been with us for those episodes before, you know what happened. So I'm just warning Snowy up front because chances are I'm going to get a little sloppy. Okay, not a problem, not a problem. I am. Uh, I got some true cavalt coffee going on here in my uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer mug. Oh yes, so Buffy. It's a little too early for me to be breaking out the lemmies, even though we're getting into the evening time, the early evening time here on a Saturday night, the day after, as we speak, the day after Friday the thirteenth. It's Saturday the fourteenth. Saturday the 14th. Did you ever see that movie? <laughs> um, Once when I was a teenager, and I don't remember very much of it, because it was one of those times where you were around a bunch of beers and buddies and all that. So I'm going to have to refresh my memory with that. I think I saw it the same um, time that I saw the Blues Brothers, right? And I saw the Blues Brothers when I was eight on HBO because my friend's parents let us go crazy. And as an eight-year-old, I had no idea there was swearing in the movie. I missed all that, apparently. Okay. All I saw were car chases and heard lots of great music. But um, I always like to tell people I am the product of what happens when an eight-year-old sees the Blues Brothers, because that movie <laughs> changed me forever. Uh-huh. You know? But then I think it was that same weekend that, because I feel like it was a Friday the 13th, and then that Saturday was Saturday the 14th, and that was the movie on that day, Saturday the 14th. And like. I, it just all this creepy stuff happened. It was like, you know, a, a horror flick. I can't. And again, I was eight, so I really don't remember much. But I remember being creeped out. And I've never watched it again since. But like anytime there's a Saturday the 14th, I always think of that movie. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. And last night, um, as the as my Friday night was settling down, I slapped in Friday the 13th Part 2, which is one of the better sequels, you know, from an awesome original film and all that. So, yeah, I was definitely getting into the uh, spirit of the whole thing. Kind of a sick irony here, though, is um, the last time, the night before the world went to shit with all this virus crap. Oh, I thought you meant um, it, like November 1st. <laughs> or no, no, I guess November 2nd, because November no. 3rd we had to 
um, elect a president down here. No, 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 <laughs> no. That's just that's just the most recent thing. But the day, as I recall, okay, Saturday, uh, March fourteenth. Okay, that was when word really got out about the coronavirus and yeah. how, oh no, this is something that we really got to pay attention to. Basically, the world went to shit. So the night before was a Friday the 13th. Yep. Okay, which I'll never forget that because it was a, it's a, it was a friend of mine and we had a, you know, we had a shindig at, at, at her place to celebrate her birthday and all that. So we had that great night and then, you know, the next day, <laughs> the 14th, Saturday the 14th, you know, and now here we are once again, a Saturday, the 14th and all that. But we're going to we're going to make do. I've actually um, I got, we got a bucket list um, interview. It's a long time coming. Big fan of this band going back 30 years now. Oh, I probably shouldn't throw too many words around i don't know how if we want uh if we want our creature feature deducing her age and all that you know how ladies can be with their ages and all that listen i i feel like like most women once they hit like 27 really don't seem to age much unless they want to like unless they decide that you know what i'm gonna be 56 and i'm gonna look it but like like really like I feel like women can kind of get stuck in that age in a good way, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, she's always going to be 27 in our hearts. doesn't matter. Like, stop stop doing math. Stop looking at calendars. She's 27. <laughs> Knock it off. That's right. That's right. That's right. And she had... And, of course, we're talking about tonight's creature feature, Lori Bravo from The Immortal uh, Nuclear Death. And just speaking to her, she's... Uh, we did, we had an amazing chat and just full so full of life and spirit and like I said a definite bucket list. Um, before we get on with everything though, um, yesterday as we speak, uh, we want to say happy birthday and horns up to one Chad Gailey from Necrot and Mortuous who we just recently had on the show as well. So. Happy birthday, my friend, and here's to um, here's to many more. If we don't have uh, any other radioactive metal house cleaning to do, then it's time to get on with it. We've been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Hey, bro, what's going on? Dude, so I was at the record store today, and I saw a mug that I need to get you, and I want you to use it at work. It's a coffee mug, and you have to promise me that if you get this mug, you're going to take it to work. Okay. It's a big, bright, rainbow-colored mug, and it says, nobody knows I'm gay. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. And I just think it'd be absolutely hysterical for you to walk around drinking out of that mug. Um, like I, I have quite a few friends I like to get, get it, um, get that for like gay and straight, like, because they'll, they'll all understand the joke and be in on it. It'll be funny. Right. Right. I also, yeah. I take a lot of flack at work. Some of these macho guys, you know, like they see my wonder woman backpack oh, exactly. and, and, and my, my, my wonder woman cup and they all, you know, they like to rib me and, you know, like, I can't believe, how did you ever get laid? You know, 
being a Wonder Woman fan and all that. And I'm like, dude, really? Oh, Do my you, goodness. Yeah. When, I, when I go out with all my Wonder Woman, my shirt on and my yeah. backpack, you every girl in that club, oh, I love it. That's great. Oh, oh yeah, Wonder Woman is awesome and all that. Ha! Shit, if I wasn't married, I would yeah. be swimming in it. Exactly. Like, like, because this, of that, yeah. Uh, and guys like that have probably only ever slept with their wives. And not that there's anything wrong with that. But they right. they probably have only slept with their wives, but didn't want to only sleep with their wives. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and, and there's there's a difference there. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything like that. Like, I'm all for it, right? But, but like, you can always tell that guy that's, like, wishing they were getting more, something different, whatever. And um, it's funny, dude, along that same lines, um, I, have you ever seen the movie? Oh, fuck. Uh, it's, oh my God, Fried Green Tomatoes. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Okay. Fantastic film, right? Chick flick, technically, right? Mm-hmm. But when people try to be like, oh, dude, you watch a chick flick? I'm like, you haven't seen it, have you? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, because they kill a guy and eat him. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, so what chick flicks do you know, you know, involve cannibalism? <laughs> that cannibalism, yeah. yeah. And they're like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it. And then like, like, cause, cause when I was saying like, oh yeah, fr- fried green tomatoes, this guy comes over, so like, oh, I have to pull your man card. I'm like, pull my man card. You haven't been laid, have you? <laughs> and he just looked at me. Mm-hmm. And he froze up. I'm like, seriously. I'm like, if you don't watch movies like that, how are you getting laid? Like, what? You don't like women? Like, what's going on here? You need to tell me something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes with, you know, when you're trying to, you know, get a little something, something, you, you got to, uh, yeah. if, if, if you're going to, if you want her to put out, then you got to put out something. But it's a great and movie. I, I'm you know? sure it is. So and that, sure that's what like, 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 that's when I really get, because I really don't care, gay, straight, whatever, call yourself whatever you want, sleep with whoever you want, as long as you're having fun and you found your person. Mm-hmm. Right, that's all I really care about, and then, like you're like, oh, I'm pulling your man card. How you watch that movie? Like, dude, get over it. <laughs> like, no, no, like, like, and the thing is, like, you're not even gonna get me to to like be like, oh no, I would like, I'm not gonna renounce that because one, it's a good movie. Two, cannibalism. Um, three, like, you really need to watch it. Good fucking film. Anyway. <clears throat> Um, where are we going with this? Oh, right. I want to get you the nobody knows I'm gay mug because I just think that'd be hysterical. <laughs> right? Yes. Sounds good. Sounds and especially now knowing that they give you shit for the Wonder Woman backpack. Like, <laughs> like you, some people would probably be really, really upset, you know? Mm. And there might be some other coworkers who'd be like, oh, thank God, man. I need an ally here, you know? But <clears throat> so anyway, um, Snowy, I believe we have talked about on this show the necromantics, right? Yes. Okay, good. So the Necromantics have obviously um, caught my attention because the bass player plays an upright bass in the shape of a coffin. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been on a journey lately where I have been trying to um, learn upright bass. And so I've, I've found this guy who um, plays for Tiger Army currently. And please don't ask me to pronounce his name. I think it sounds like Jordy, but it starts with like... D E J O R D E J E something like that like like okay yeah like all these consonants I'm like yep not sure what's silent what's not <laughs> but um he he does this thing called slapstream so he's been interviewing all these upright bass players you know that do like the rockabilly slap style and he had on Kim Necroman and what a fun 
guy. Oh my goodness, dude. This interview is just killer. They're talking about like like how he learned to play. And no, no joke, he's like, I went to a show. I realized that one of my buddies had now started a band and I was so mad. I went home. I said, fuck it. I'm going to learn to play an instrument. So he bought an upright bass, locked himself in his room, and a week later started the Necromantics. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was like, it's killer. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I didn't even worry about the left hand. And to me, the left hand is the hardest part. He's like, no, I worried about the right hand. I'm like, he's onto something there. So that's that's part of my journey here because I'm trying to get better at, at that sort of stuff. Um, so I've been like watching him. Then, of course, that led to the horror pops, his other band with his wife. But now in that one, his wife plays bass and he plays guitar. So that's been fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a good time. And then let's see here. So. As of yesterday, right, the 13th, do you know what new record dropped from a very iconic band? Oh, I probably should know this. It starts with an AC, ends with a DC. That's your hand. Right, yes, power up. (laughs) Right. Right, right, So I was giving that a spin. It's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I I don't know if it's quite... Like Razor's Edge, like could it be like another Razor's Edge? Like Razor's Edge was kind of another back and black, but it's damn good. Like I'm really digging it. Like it sounds like ACDC. I mean, it's it's absolutely. You're gonna listen to, but oh yeah, it's an ACDC record. But they've got some hooks, man. They've got some good stuff. So I was listening to that, and then I've also been listening to um, Dean Del Rey. Got to interview ACDC, mm-hmm. and he was telling that story where. He's like, Sony Records contacts him, says, hey, you know, we, you, do, we, do you want to hear the new ACDC records? Like, yeah. He's like, so they, I have to sign an NDA. And like, he is known for months about this record. When everybody else was like, oh, there's rumors. I think there's something coming out. He's like, he's heard it months ago. He's like, it was killing me. Because Dean is a huge ACDC fan, like out of his mind ACDC fan, right? Right. You know? And, um, like it it was so much fun. Like I'm only part of the way through it, but I mean, you could just tell those guys are having a blast with him. And I mean, Dean's met them at least once or twice. I think at like, it is, I mean, it's Dean. Like he always does a great job, man. It's so freaking killer. So yeah, so that's, um, so that's, that's been like part of what I've been spinning because I've also been spinning the Necromantics and the Horror Pops now and, um, ACDC this week. So it's been a good time. And then... Finally, you're not going to believe this. Dun, dun, dun. Remember the Metallica Vinyl Club? Yes. That shipped in July. Okay. It showed up. Oh, there we go. It's here. <laughs> and <laughs> I opened it up. Hang on. It's right over here. Let me see if I can grab it real quick. I meant to have it closer. Um. All right. Dude. This is so good. So it's got two tracks, right? And um, it's live at uh, Castle Donington, 1987. Um, the shit. artwork. Oh, dude. Yeah. So it's uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls and Leper Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. Both from 87. So this has been the first time in a long time that I've really gotten a 45, you know? It comes in this great sleeve. Like, they essentially package this like a small LP, right? So okay. it comes in this great sleeve, fantastic cover art by Pusshead. It's like the crash course in brain surgery skull. So you've got, like, the skull with the fangs biting into the guy's brain that's exposed on the top of his skull. 
And um, it's got like the little Metallica stick logo, the way they do that. But then the download card that comes with it has the same logo or the same artwork. Like just opening it up and seeing the art alone, I'm just like, oh, dude, like this is so killer, right? Right on. So then you pull out the 45, right? And so, mind you, that's one sleeve. The 45 itself is still in another sleeve in that sleeve. And on that sleeve, you've got live photos from Castle Donington and just like little bits of things. And you can see like, you know, Kirk and James and Lars. And you can kind of see Newstead. Like you can't make out his face, but you know it's Newstead because you you see the signature like Metallica shirt he always wore for these shows. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is just, um, just so fucking cool, man. And there's like a little thing that the band you know sends to you, and then there's also a poster with it. Right? Oh, cool! So and it's and every release they do is going to be something like this. So it's all forty fives, and they're still supposed. <laughs> like, I just laugh because there's like this is the first of four, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just like I I just chuckle because you could just tell like that last email they were just so over it. Um, where they're like, listen, we don't know what the hell's going on. We're hoping to get things fixed. Uh, fixed. Here's fifteen dollars. We're sorry. <laughs> you know, like use it in the store. Have a great time. We're sorry. Um, yeah. So, dude, like, ah, oh, I like I haven't listened to it yet. I haven't got a chance to spin it, but it just just opening it up. Like, like you remember the feeling of those old albums when you're like, you'd see the art for the first time. It's like. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's how I was, man. Cracking that box open, I'm like, oh, like it, you just get chills because I love, I love horror art, right? And I just, mm-hmm. I've always loved the pusset pusset art. I love H.R. Giger Geiger, however you pronounce it, but the guy that does the the biomechanical landscapes, the alien guy, right? Who who designed that? The Celtic Frost covers too. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he did the Celtic Frost stuff. Yeah, two two Megatherian was his was his uh, work. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. I can kind of picture that one in my head now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I needed a um, needed a drink of beer there. <laughs> so, yeah. Hang on. So, okay. So I got that vinyl. Like, and this is probably like one of my biggest metal fixes in a while, man. All right. Um, a while back. We talked about a special Record Store Day compilation, right? So, you know, Record Store Day, we talk about it every year on this show. We've covered it for the way they split it up this year, you know, the three different things. But mm-hmm. um, I love that Record Store Day is really coming into its own. We're now, like they put out in conjunction with Disciple. Um, <laughs> I said that without <laughs> even realizing it. <laughs> I, yes. I, mean, yeah. I really did mean to see, say decibel. I really did. <laughs> I just looked at it and said decibel. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have, if you're like a very new listener, um, I couldn't even tell you what episode, but go back a couple years and listen to Kareen. And um, Kareen, one day she said that she got Decibel magazine and we just all busted <laughs> out laughing and started busting her chops about it. Mm-hmm. And we love her to death. God, I love that woman. She's just and a wonderful, wonderful person. An amazing sure, human sure. being. And, and um, to, sorry, yeah. and to this day, we still refer to Decibel Magazine as Decibel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, it's, yeah, it's official. We always renamed. will. Yeah, but so Decibel Magazine put out Completely Extreme Volume 1, 
and it's on vinyl. And that's what I went to the record store uh, to pick up today because I ordered it. It was in on Halloween, right. um, but I didn't have a chance to get down there. So Nicholas and I went down today, and I've got um, it has Napalm Death, Nurse the Hunger, Red Fangs Antidote, uh, Sirith Ungal, Brutish Manchild, mm-hmm. Undergang. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Menaskater, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Um, Drowth, A Crown of Asphodels. And then side B is Necrot, right? No strangers mm-hmm. to this show. Um, Stench of Decay, Wolf King Sanctuary, Incantation, Black Fathoms Fire. <laughs> and then this is funny Plague Years, Incantation. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like somebody did that on purpose, right? Um, woman is the earth, the rope gets tighter. Right on. And I have number 132 out of, I'm not sure how many copies. But um, yeah, I was pretty excited with that, man. Like My disciple might... I can't even like not, not say it now. It's so what, funny. One of these days, we're going to be at the Maryland Death Festival or something. Okay, and we're going to go to the Decibel Magazine booth. We're going to be in front of the editor, Albert Mudrian himself. And we are going to call it Disciple. Yes. Just out of just just out of reflex. And he's gonna be like, Oh, I knew those fuckers at radioactive metal were morons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like and like we'll have to like explain ourselves, but just motherfucker, uh-huh. right? Um so some crazy stuff here. All right. So I picked that up, and then I was telling you off air, I picked up a 15 movie Godzilla collection, 54 through 75. Right on. Like, the yeah. Glory years. It is. It's the glory years, right? The Showa era. And so, like, it's just all the classic stuff. Um, you know, my son was with me, and so he was really excited because he's, I, I told you, dude, he loves the original Godzilla. He, he still, to this day, walks around the house humming the theme song. He, he loves it. You know, right. and so um, he's he's really been dying to go back and see all the others. I'm like, well, we got them now. Let's go for it. You know, they're on Blu-ray. Um, so I picked that up. And then I was flipping through Instagram today and I got some really sad news. And I, I kind of blame you for this. Uh-oh. Right? Because you being what you are to Canada and the mayor of Canada, um, I, I feel that you're the, you're to blame. But... um. One of my favorite new shows that I only discovered this year, The Order with Catherine Isbell from Ginger Snaps, mm-hmm. was canceled. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make a new season. They're not going to make a season three. Um, and since you haven't watched it yet, um, that's why I hold you responsible because I am sure. <laughs> that's why, yeah. They, because the, the, if I had watched it. Well, yeah. exactly. Because, you know, the producers are looking at it. Okay, who's watched this yet? Yeah, like, the mayor of Winnipeg hasn't even looked at this. And this is like the horror movie aficionado of Manitoba. And um, so I am sure that that's the reason. I, I, was, I was keeping a straight face for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm convinced that that's why the show was canceled because you never watched it. I have no doubt. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. So um, everybody, please go watch it. Check it out on Netflix. Cause at, I've watched it at least twice, possibly three times already. I think maybe three times. Like, cause I can quote and recite a lot from it. Okay. Um, it's dude. It's so good. And I was thinking about it today because after I saw that, I was really kind of bummed. Like, oh man, like I was really hoping for at least one more season. You know, 
Like, I, I don't need shows to have like 50 seasons anymore. Like I'm good with like three good seasons, you know, or even two good seasons. If they can like not leave a cliffhanger, like they did at the end of the season. No, um, Isn't yeah. that terrible? Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. Uh-huh. But like I say, I'm like, one of the reasons I like it is because it's just so, it's so real life and relatable. Cause like one of my friends is like, Oh, I can't stand the acting. I'm like, that's because I don't think they're acting. I think they're just acting like regular, like college kids, <laughs> like you know, right. like, like just just when you, the, some of the things they say to each other, and um, like like the one time they're like, "You decided my fate over a game of beer pong." Like that just totally <laughs> sounds like <laughs> something that would happen, you know? Like uh-huh. like like I can see me and my friends in the '90s doing a lot of these things, you know, like. I just oh dude it's such a great show but yeah so since you never watched it they're like well we couldn't get snowy's interest um just let it go two two for seasons sure. he hasn't looked at a single episode <laughs> you know we figured for sure putting the star of ginger snaps in it would have got his attention but nope nope nothing <sighs> sorry man sorry i don't know it's all right it's all right but, <laughs> but please make sure you're watching the umbrella academy because i need a third season of that too yes definitely yeah, and dude, if you haven't watched Lucifer yet, please watch Lucifer. That's another great one. Mm-hmm. We will. We will. It's on the list. It's all classic stuff. Okay. I'm looking around. I feel like that's... Oh, no. Oh, I can't believe I... Okay. All right. So it is, as we are recording this, it is November something. 14th. 14th, right? We just said that. November 14th. And, <laughs> Have another um, you know, dude. And for anybody who's been paying attention, that's right. The United States still doesn't have a president. Um, we're closer, kind of, but now the recounts are starting. Hand recounts in some states, right? Um, mm-hmm. But way, way back on election day, November third, right, which should have been the deadline for all the ballots, and we should have had all this crap counted then, because really. It's not that hard, but it's not. Yeah. Just everything that's gone on just screams. Somebody is trying to do voter fraud. I don't know who. And, you know, and if whoever wants to yell and say, no, there's nothing going on. Listen, man, dead people vote all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Right. So anyway, um, there's this great Instagram, um, like channel, handle whatever we call account that I started following. Um, and I think I started following them either because of one of the universal monsters that I follow or possibly because of the Tiki Oasis thing and that sort of thing I started getting into, or maybe all the above. So they're called the black lagoon room. Right. And Ooh. yeah, right there. Right. Cause like the black lagoon is probably one of my favorite of the classic horror movies, just cause I've always loved that creature. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the creature from the Black Lagoon. One of my you know favorite monsters. I love anything with the water. Like I've always just loved like lakes, oceans, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we've got um, you know, so I'm following that thing, and on November third, um, the guy that runs that, um, Pete, I'm gonna butcher his last name, but it's K-L-O-C-K-A-U. So I'm thinking Clacao. Or a clock out, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he put up this little ink drawing that he did, and um, it just said vote, but it was like creature drawn, right? So you've got oh. like eyeballs 
in the letters, teeth and tongues hanging out of stuff. I'm like, I saw it. I'm like, I just love this. This is great. And he's like, yeah, I just did this for fun. And he's like, um, we're going to have a quick con- contest, you know, um, if you voted, all you, or what does it have to do? All you have to do is vote, and we may need you to prove that you vote, voted, and then tag somebody else in here, and then I think it's like vote again, something like that. And son of a gun, I won, right? Yeah. So I am holding that ink drawing in my hand right now, and it's just so cool because like this kind of comes back to like the pus head art. Like so, if you picture pus head art, but with like that mid century fifties kind of vibe, you know. Mm. Like, like in, in that horror art kind of, kind of like movie poster kind of tinge in there. Like that's kind of what this looks like. And it's uh, just, I love this art, man. And it's, right it's cool because like you can see like the, the blue pencils that he did in there, but then he's got the ink on it. Like th- this is the kind of stuff I, I just, I love. So I actually won that. And they also sent me, um, they let me choose one of their pins because they do all kinds of neat stuff there. And it, again, it's like, it's got that 50 monster horror movie kind of vibe to the art kind of stuff. And I got the one, uh, the pin that has the um, hand of the creature from the black lagoon sipping a nice little umbrella drink. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just cute. love it. Yeah. And um, he also sent me a couple of cool stickers and then you got to check them out, man. So it's the black lagoon room.com. Um, check them out on Instagram. That's you know where I found them first. And it's just cool stuff. Like they were doing like pumpkin tiki mugs this year and just dude, it's just cool, cool stuff. So I think that is officially my metal fix. All right on, right on. Sounds like you had a hell of a time. It's been a great time. And the funny part thing part is when this week started, I had nothing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna talk to Snowy about. Like I think it was Thursday and I had nothing. And then all of a sudden stuff started showing up in the mail. I'm like, oh, Look, this is it. I'm like, oh, I can go get that. uh, I almost said disciple. I can go get that decibel (laughs) magazine record, you know? And then like, it just blew up from there, you know? Right on, right on. I love it. I love it when stuff like that happens. I love it when a plan comes together. For sure, for sure. I know that one. I know that one. George Picard, shout out. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah. I did pretty good in the vinyl area myself. I made my way out to into the music for a little bit of what I call vinyl therapy. I picked up, you you know, the uh, Canadian power trio Triumph back in the uh, 70s. I thought you were going to tell me Rush. Oh, okay. Well, I totally did. Triumph is the other Canadian power trio. Isn't there like more than <laughs> okay. one Canadian power trio though? Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot, but like, like Rush and Triumph are the two that those are. are the, those, like, those are the two big ones. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I grabbed uh some of their from their back catalog, the Allied Forces and the Just a Game, picked those up on vinyl as well as the classic Bad Company album Desolation Angels. But, and I got it in my hot little fist here, kind of the crown jewel of my um, record shopping excursion. There was a really cool. Um, Norwegian death metal, black metal band that kind of predated all of the Norwegian craziness, all the church burnings and Varg and all that. They were called Old Funeral. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And I, and it, it, I kind of heard about them the same way that I heard about Two Nights 
creature feature just through the old fanzines, you know, and just through 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 the underground and all that. But I never actually heard the music. Okay, now this band, Old Funeral, never went on to actually get signed to any labels, but their demo tapes. Okay, they had a handful of demos, and those yeah. are legendary, you know, in amongst the underground from that scene. Well, Soul Cellar Records, a little while back, kind of compiled all of their bunch of a live recording, their first their first EP and all their demos on this beautiful double clear vinyl release um, with the gatefold jacket. And all that, and all the beautiful artwork, and just oh, absolutely amazing! Oh, dude, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. It's called "Our Condolences, 1988 to 1992." That's a great title. Yeah. It def it, it definitely is. It definitely oh. is. Now, bear in mind, okay, this is this is pre this is Varg, you know, pre before he became a piece of shit and all that. You know, this is pre Burzum. And all of that. I was the only that was the only thing that kind of made me go, ah, oh, do I really want this and all that? But uh, for the most part, yeah, it was stuff that he he wasn't on and all that. But like I said, this is this is all pre pre piece of shit Varg and all that. And I was kind of like I took a chance with this record too, okay, because it was kind of pricey and all that and it's like uh the chance here is like i'd never actually heard the tunes okay because they're you know I'll, i just remember them from fanzines and you know in the back yeah. of magazines and all that like okay never actually heard it okay so this is the beauty of having the internet in your hand Okay, <laughs> because because I could just I just grabbed my phone, went on you went on YouTube, found the album, you know, listened to half a song. It's like okay, you know what? I'm going to grab this. This actually looks pretty cool. Maybe we'll go out on a track from old funeral um, as well. Last night you're talking about records dropping last night friday the 13th um new york hardcore band silence equals death their new ep revolution rising dropped as well and to celebrate that they were having a live stream just in the back studio you know just them playing you know <laughs> and it's just like just like sports it just it's it's weird Okay, when you see a band playing and there's no one there to whatever this, there's no one running across the stage because it's a hardcore show. There's no one stage diving. There's, you know, you don't see people bouncing in front of the stage. It's just, it's just weird, you know, but I had a really good time. I actually, honestly, I just seen the name Silence Equals Death kind of bantying around and all that. Never actually heard them, but it's like, okay, a free live stream. I'm not, you know, it's it's Friday night. There's no shows. There's nothing going on. I'm going to be home. Me and my buddy Jack will sit down and we'll check out this band. And I was quite impressed and had a really good time and um, really digging the new EP as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
just a just a good way like i was saying okay i'm not going out to a show it looks like a show is coming to me oh see that's nice that's i guess that's the best way to look at it so good stuff good stuff and finally a really cool record that came across my desk the band machetazo which i believe is spanish for machete this is a really cool grindcore band that came to my attention i sold a bunch of their records at the old warren music shop yeah okay they are back with a new compilation album ultra tumba 2 which is 22 awesome tracks of um just songs from seven inch and splits and eps and compilations it's available now through self-made god that record came across my desk this band is still as killer as they've always been um so let's drop a track from machetazo um let's go okay going through the songs it's like okay this song's great this song's great okay we have to go with this song sex and violence
That was from the aforementioned Silence Equals Death EP Revolution Rising. That was the first single switch, which I said, like I said, that EP is available now. You're going to want to check it out as well. Go and find that machetazo. I'm never going to be able to say that word right. Spell you know, it. Okay, M-A-C-H. Let me, let me get up my translator here. Okay. okay. M-A-C-H. C-H-E-T-A-Z-O, or Z-O for you Americans. Yeah, it definitely does mean machete. Let's see here. Yeah, but how is it pronounced? Because I've probably, I've probably never... Oh, hang on. Machetazo. Machetazo. Oh, okay. Machetazo. There, could you hear that through the mic? Yes, I Machetazo. Did, yeah. There we go. Machetazo. There we go. Machetazo, okay. It'll translate to the rescue. All right, right on. Well, you're going to want to get that Machetazo record, Ultra Tumba, to great stuff, great stuff. Tonight's Creature Feature is definitely a long time coming. This is another one of those bands, definitely a bucket list, who we should have had on a long time ago. As I mentioned, literally decades ago, I discovered just through being in the underground, particularly as well when I was doing my, well, I did the one issue of my fanzine hardware, my, 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 my fanzine called hard hardware, where it was just basically a cut and paste, you know, type, type it out, photocopy and all that. Unfortunately, I was only able to get the one issue done, but it was just kind of, through that, labels and bands sending me flyers and promo stuff and all that, much like, you know, this audio fanzine, let's say, that we do today, okay, kind of much in the same way, except actual physical stuff. I never knew your fanzine was called Hardware. Yeah. Like, you should have tried to, like, distribute it in, um, like, in partnership with, like, Sears and Craftsman. 
you know, <laughs> like get your yeah. hardware here. <laughs> yeah, you know, your take it to your yeah, local yeah. local hardware store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what that it was through it was through that, and of course it was the demo tape trading days and all that that we talk about. We enjoyed so much back then. It was through that I discovered Wild Rags Records. We've played some bands on that. We recently had um, Hex on from the Bay Area. We had, Dan, we had Dan Watson on. He was his band. They were part of the old days of Wild Rags Records. Remember we played a band called Blood Come? Oh, yeah. yeah uh, that's John... for Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, probably, probably, but that's um, Tom Murray is young brother John. Oh yes, that, yes, that, yes! That I his, definitely his, remember his... having this conversation because I was still grossed out then too. Right? Yeah. Right. Like, uh, that's one of those ones you say every time you say, "I'm like, Ugh, yeah, yeah, I remember." Remember <clears throat> that? Yeah, yeah. Well, Hex, Blood, Come, oh, Empatigo is another one of my favorite bands that I've just loved for all of these years. They were part of that whole scene, and so was Nuclear Death. I discovered them with their debut album, Bride of Insect, and um, fronting that band, doing the bass and vocals, was one Lori Bravo, who was definitely a pioneer for the time because who, what other female vocalist, front, front person, whatever, was there in the extreme, extreme metal? There was very... Very, very few. This band as well, of course, was one of the ones that caught my attention, and I just absolutely love them. Now, fast forward years later, okay, and I connected with Ms. Bravo through the wonderful world of Facebook and the interwebs and all that, and I said, you know what? This has been a long time coming. Let's have you on the show, and she jumped at it. So, without further ado, um, because I could probably write her autobiography now, which is with this absolutely amazing conversation that we had that really, I was captivated. I was taken right in with everything she said, and it was definitely had some eye-opening and ear-opening moments to it to kind of get us to our chat with Miss Bravo. How about we go with the title track from the debut album, Bride of Insect? This is our longtime and bucket list chat with the one and only Lori Bravo.
first and foremost, lately, how I've been doing a lot of my interviews, the first question, and that's probably on the mind of a lot of listeners, is what's going on with you? How are you doing right now with all this COVID craziness? Are you healthy, happy, doing well? Well, the difference with me is that something happened to me in May that caused it that to be on the back burner. I mean, first of all, I hate people, sort of, so I don't really give a fuck if I don't have to touch people, see people. I don't really care. I mean, it's not that, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like, I don't really care. I don't miss my friends. I have friends, but we talk on the phone. I don't really care. So there's that. That kind of helped a little bit. But once I got over the germaphobe part and I got what I call stations within the house of like, here's the hand sanitizer here, here's this here, here's that there with me and my mom. Um, it was pretty much after that we were good. I mean, my mom worked at Walmart and then she had to stop working there because she's 76 and it, I just thought it was too dangerous, which is really, I don't know if you know what it is, it's a huge chain store, it's crazy and it's full of crazy people. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she... I, I begged her to stop. She finally stopped because it just got to be too scary, I thought. But once I got that part down where it's like, you know, if I go to the doctor, I have to come home, change my clothes, take a shower, wash my hair, that kind of stuff. You know, once I got over that kind of stuff and got it into a, because I'm a very systematic person. So once I get the system down, I'm good. Um, I actually choked during a funeral for our one of our cats. I was singing the Ave Maria for our Roman cat Roma who died. And I came inside and it was really dry outside and I ate some soy nuts and I choked on them and I almost died. (laughs) And what was weird is after that happened, uh, a couple days later, I felt like there was a lump in my throat and I went in and I found out that I have this thing called silent reflux, which is acid going up your throat, except you don't know ever. You don't get all the symptoms that people get like, you know, horrible indigestion, all this bullshit. I didn't have any of that. And I've had it for probably over 25 years. So um, my doctor, this this doctor, I should say this throat doctor, and this is after going to the ER and worrying about thinking I have a tumor and all this bullshit. So anyway, long story short, I got on some meds and that was to heal my throat. And in the meantime, because I'm a research whore, I went and researched everything I could about this, which there's not a lot. But what I did do is I literally quit caffeine and alcohol the same day. I was like, those are bad for my throat. Okay, I quit. I literally just stopped drinking everything. And I quit drinking caffeine because it's also really bad for your acid. And I just literally in one week completely changed my diet so that while this was going on, my throat would heal fast. Because I was in the middle of finishing my record. I was actually two songs left to finish Mm -hmm. it. And I thought, God damn it. So with that going on, I'm now every Friday is a new milestone. So this Friday, I'll be on these meds for 24 weeks. I'm almost done. So my, my voice is already healed. I already finished the record. The throat, my, my vocal cords are not burned with acid anymore. But this can still happen because doctors don't care here. As you know, it's America. And they don't really tell you, well, you're never really going to heal. All you're going to do is keep taking this medicine until whenever. And I don't want to do that. So while this pandemic shit's going on, I was more worried about that. Like I ended up having to put myself on this really weird liquid diet because it was the at first you can't swallow. It's really scary. So I went through all these YouTube videos and found this way for me to eat. And I ended up losing about 30 pounds 
It's like I'm the skinniest I've ever been. And for a person that's had weight problems their whole life, this is like, I can't believe it. Who knew that I would be like, I got the body I always wanted, but I'm 54 years old. I had to wait that long to get it. But okay. But it's crazy. It's just crazy. It's like that because I had to deal with that, I pretty much, you know, everything's more back burner because again, here in Arizona, people are assholes. They, there's very red state. People weren't wearing masks because the fucking orange Cheeto man president wasn't wearing a mask, that kind of shit. So it was really stupid. I mean, so there was a lot of problems with COVID here. It just kept spreading because people are dumb. All my friends that are in their 30s were like, oh, I don't care. We're going to go make out with boys in the bar anyway. And they did. And I don't think all anybody got COVID. But, you know, you can carry this shit. So mm-hmm. it was just stupid. And I was like, get the fuck away from me. You know, I don't want you near me because I don't know who you've been fucking yesterday. So get away. So I kind of like that's kind of what happened there. I sort of like had to step back and stay away because I do take it seriously and I live with my mom and she takes it seriously and it was like we're not trying to be weirdos but let's face it we're a fucking mass at least do that mm-hmm. you know you don't have to you know you don't whatever else you want to do is on you I don't care but I just thought come on man so with that going on yeah it kind of trumped everything I hate to use that term <laughs> but it trumped everything man you know and I'm still like I said my vocal cords are totally healed and everything's great but I'm still like rejoining society. Like I'm Mexican. I eat things that are hot and I haven't had a goddamn hot sauce or a salsa since May. It's awful. It's like I'm not used to eating food with no damn flavor, man. But I had to make all these, like I'm eating dairy products because they're easy to swallow. That's terrible for me, man. I'm usually vegan, but I can't do anything about it. It was like, I can swallow this. That's what I'm going to have. If I have a shake, that's what I'm going to have. If I can swallow cheese, great. You know, and it's just, that's what happened. Now I'm, I'm doing better. But like I said, it's a, it's this long process. And in the meantime, I'm trying to finish a freaking record. So uh-huh. I had that going on in the meantime. So yeah, that's how I'm doing. I'm, I'm actually doing really well. I think that I'm one of these people. I definitely think that I would work really well in a zombie apocalypse because I am a survivor by nature and I I, I can adapt quite easily, luckily. Quite right pretty. Yeah, yeah, I would, that's what I what I was thinking. It's like, holy jeez. She's she's this is a strong woman for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it's like if I'm working in World War Z, I think I would be part of that. I think I could do it. It'd be like, oh, fuck, there's zombies. I mean, there are zombies. It's just we can't see it, and it's called COVID-19. It's the Mm -hmm. same exact thing. You're still fighting something. I mean, my brother, he's a horror fan, and too, and he was like, man, why can't they bleed from the eyes or something like, you know, like they do in the movies so you know, oh, my God, they're infected. But no. We didn't get lucky. So you don't know who's infected, who's not, who's carried it, who's not. So you just got to be careful. And, you know, it sucks. And you've got to take it ser- more seriouser, man, than mm-hmm. some of these people that don't. And you're like, I'm telling you, people here, they love to, to be like, I'm not going to wear a fucking mask. That's a bunch of bullshit. And you're thinking, yeah, you're the reason we still have this shit. Thank you. Just, just, just please just wear a mask when you go outside. I don't care what you do at home. Do whatever you want to do. You know, it's like, but, you know, lick your, lick your hands and go to a toilet. I don't care. Just wear a mask when you're outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. For, for, the, for the longest but, uh, time. <laughs> just, I don't know. It's just people are nuts over here, man. I mean, it's God's got a government up in here and everything. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mountain, you know, it's like guns, God and government. That is Arizona. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that it in really mind. It really is, yeah. You want to come down and see people packing? Come over here. We are the wild, wild <laughs> okay. west. Nothing has changed. No, no, I'm up in Canada here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You guys you guys can't do that there, can you? Can you do stuff like that where you uh, carry weapons just hanging out, going to a store? I don't think so. No, no, it's okay. not. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're yeah, I don't we're know. not big on our guns. Yeah, I don't know. I don't ever remember seeing like, you know, Neil Peart or, you know, like Alex Lifeson <laughs> packing while they were, you know, on their tour bus. No, no. You know, I mean, really, no, really, though, it's just weird. Arizona is like the number one for that. So it's weird to me because I'm going to be moving out of here and I'm so happy. But it's just, yeah, it's just, oh, my God. Like, I'm not I'm not it's. I'm not for or against. It's like I understand. I think their guns are really interesting tools, but I'm I just find it interesting that you can be walking around Circle K with them and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, we would probably like if you were to walk into a convenience store up here and you're packing, like the clerk <laughs> the clerk would be like, "Oh no, I'm being robbed." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. See here, it's like, oh, you're oh, it's just like whatever. You're you're normal. You're if you're from Arizona, you, that they would think you're a local. That's what they'd think. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. obviously from here because if you weren't, you wouldn't be doing it. That's it. <laughs> well, with with you, you seem to be a very eclectic person in all the right yes. ways and all that. Like, <laughs> do you ever feel that living in Arizona someday, you know, some meathead's going to try to have you burnt at the stake or something? Like, you know, it's interesting because. Um, it's it's weird. It's like I was persecuted all through nuclear death. Um, I wasn't popular, which I, I have to say, these record companies, these male-run record companies were really stupid because the problem is, is they had gold. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm, in, I'm attractive, and I really was back then, so you could have really banked on this girl doing this, but nobody. They were just hated us, and so I kind of, it was a witch hunt, but for nuclear death. So we were hated. We're still hated here. We're not there, Arizona hate. I mean, people just, you know, we're not. Yeah, we're not. We were never popular. People hated us. And so the cool thing about that for me is that I was already the fat kid at school. So I already knew what it was like to be bullied, persecuted, tortured, beaten up. So when that happened, I was already ready. I think I'm so lucky, really lucky that adolescence stole my beauty because honestly, when it took it away and gave me pimples and being really overweight, it, it taught me to have a really thick skin. So when I went out there to perform, first of all, I knew I actually could sing, unlike these other idiots. But the other thing was, is that, you know, they, I mean, I could growl, but what I mean is I knew I was a singer and these other people really just couldn't do anything but scream. But the other thing is just the songs were really great and I knew that and I didn't care what people thought. But I mean, I had bottles thrown at me. I had people try to beat me up in alleys, you know, but the whole thing was, is that kind of felt like a persecution. And I am a witch, actually. I come from a long line of witches on my father's side. So uh, that's interesting because, you know, it's like, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'd be more persecuted for being Mexican than being a witch <laughs> when I'm living here. And I'm like, you know, born in Chicago, Illinois. I don't even know Spanish. Unfortunately, my dad didn't teach it to us. He kind of let it go out the wayside like, oh, they aren't going to need that. And then he moved us to Arizona. Whoops. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I wish to. I mean, I know phrases and stuff, of course, and stuff, but I don't know fluent like my dad and his family spoke it and stuff because they were from Michoacan. 
but yeah, it's sort of like that. Like, I feel like, you know, I mean, after the things I've been through, I'm not afraid of anything. It's funny. The only thing I'm fair afraid of, and I'm trying to get over that is my own body. My body scares me when it does weird things. I'm more about my panic disorder, my, what my body does, my mind than anybody could ever do outside. So there's that at least. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, well, um, with, Yuki, you mentioned how, like, all of this hate in the scene for nuclear death, I actually found oh, yeah. that kind of surprising. And I went like, whoa, I would think that the scene would have totally embraced you, almost oh, I, like, like a trailblazer for women no, no, no. in the scene. No, no, no. Not, not, it was just the opposite. Uh, women hated me, too. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any girlfriends at all. Um, it, was, it was Steve. Or I'm sorry, Steve. It was uh, Joel and Phil and me and then whatever whoever joel was screwed at the time would be maybe another girl but honestly it was like first of all you got to remember our lyrics like we for i mean i have to say you know that i became a better writer as i moved on but phil's a really great writer and so his lyrics just people couldn't deal they're like ew they're singing about fucking a dead animal oh my god and we'd be like, so what? It's a fucking story. But mm -hmm. now we're fucking dead animals. And I was like, as an animal lover that we all were, by the way, I was like, what the fuck? Whatever. And then I would go ahead and let him believe it. Because I always remember the Alice Cooper video where he said that Frank Zappa told him to never tell people if you didn't do something. Let him believe it anyway. And I remembered that. And I remembered to do that. I thought, yeah, if they think I'm over there digging up corpses, let them think it. <laughs> so that way, we that... And then people talk, you know, they gossip. So it just got worse and worse and worse. And people hated us in the scene. I mean, it was like, I, it's funny because the idea for me was to get in the band and front my band. You know, I started my band. I fronted my band. I got my boyfriend in the band. I got another guy in the band playing drums. We're doing this thing. It's, it's supposed to be an insular thing. We're a team, blah. We go and we play with these people. And it's like, the bands that we play with, I was like, really, I liked them. And then I would go there and talk to these guys, and these guys treated me like shit. It was like, wait, what? Like, you know, like, for instance, I loved the dogs. The original Flotsam and Jetsam, they were called the dogs. I saw them at an arcade. They used to have, uh, like, bands at these arcades back in the 80s. And I saw them. I loved them. And I was like, man, I can't wait till I can do that. So finally, we play with Flotsam and Jetsam. And this is before Jason Newstead joined Metallica, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I play bass. So I thought it would be neat to go talk to a real, I was thinking he's a real bass player because as we all know, I only switched to bass from guitar because we couldn't find another, we couldn't find someone. And we decided let's trade three piece like Rush, Triumph, Angel Witch, all these bands I love, you know. So, okay. So we go and I'm, I meet, you know, and they're there. I mean, we're hanging out at a house party and I go up to Jason and I said, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I asked him about his bass. And I have this harmony bass. At the time, I didn't have money. And that's what I got, a J.C. Penney's bass. That's what I played. It was harmony. And it, it worked. I mean, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I had a bass like that. And I said, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, when I was fucking a kid. And this kid's like, I think, a year or two older than me, eh? And I said, okay. And I thought what I said, yeah, it's from JC Penney's. You know, I put the poor thing down, my poor bass. And he was like, that was it. I mean, he didn't want anything to do with me. Because I was asking him about bass parts. You know, I, I thought maybe he could school me. No, 
he was a dick. And I was like, oh, well, you're a dick, fine. And then the singer, Eric, he was like, I was like, hey, dude, again, I'm like, you know, hey, I'm trying to make friends, you know, like, I just thought people would like me. I finally had got, I had started starving, so I, myself, so I got skinny, and I thought I looked hot, so I thought I could, like, make friends that way, like, so I'm an idiot. And, uh, oh, yeah, he didn't, he's like, I actually sing, though, see. And I said, well, yeah, I can, too. I sing opera, but I don't sing opera in this band, but I can. And then that was it. He didn't care. He, he didn't want anything to do with me because all I'm doing is screaming and he's a real singer. And I said, oh, you are now. Okay, well, all right then, you know. And then Sacred Reich, same thing. There was one guy in Sacred Reich, I can't remember his name. I think he played guitar and he's real skinny. He's real nice to me. Rest of the band just, you know, they were mean. They were like mean, mean boys, like mean girls, but mean boys. Like they were the antithesis of mean girls, except they were guys, they have penises, honestly. It was so ridiculous. They were all like that show, that movie. They might as well be Lindsay Lohan and her fucking crew. It was like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then wow. you got high boys, Phil and Joel, who never wanted to do, I mean, they were such pussies. Or and I shouldn't say pussies. That's not good. They were dicks because pussies are good things. No, they were like, <laughs> Joel never wanted to stick up for me. And Phil, my boyfriend, uh, he would just sit in the background and growl and grunt and not say anything. So I never had any backing either. So I was, you know, I'm the, oh, you're the front person. You talk to him. So I would. And then, and there was an all, Desecration was a band that helped us a lot. Tinator was a band that was really cool. Savage Rage was a band that was really nice. There were bands that were cool and that we were friends with. Not everybody, but the most of the scene, there was a band called Pedophile. He had some kids singing and he didn't like us either because well, I don't really like your, 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 what was the song? It was, oh, again, necrobestiality. Again, yeah, because he, it gave his girlfriend nightmares. I said, well, shouldn't it? You're in a band called Pedophile, bro. Yeah, what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> or there was this one guy, his, uh, they had a band called, uh, V, okay, now let me think, V-A-H, Violence Against Homosexuals. Now, this is back when people used to go, fag, in the 80s, mm -hmm. and yeah, okay, so, I didn't care, but this kid and his band, we played with them, and that dude got a, developed a crush on me, and I thought, well, that's at least there's that. I thought at least he's being nice. Where We went to his house. He was this rich kid. It was kind of interesting. But then then um, suddenly, all of a sudden, he like went out to these other people, and he started telling them all these things that we didn't do, Like, but but I didn't tell anybody. I mean, we, we apparently, we burned some some um, animals at his house and I don't know maybe we sacrificed a virgin I can't remember what he said but people <laughs> believed it and I was like what what and I thought okay you know what let him think it because again I what am I going to do if that's what you want to rep I mean our rep my reputation precedes us you know what I mean we are it was just hilarious man and we were wow. just laughing our aunt. yeah it was all of a sudden it was like he got press he literally got in the new times which is like a free like music newspaper here, saying this, like nuclear death, there's Satan worshiper, <laughs> which is hilarious because it's all about no worship of any kind except for music for me. But anyway, yeah, Satan worshipers and that we had sacrificed animals in his backyard while his folks were out of town. And I just kept, and I, poor cats are sitting there going, what? You know, but it was just like, okay, whatever. There's, you know, they asked me for a thing. A guy called and asked if I would do like a soundbite or whatever, say, uh, a response. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I said, if you actually think this happened, you're calling me. Why don't you call animal control? I said, if you really think that we could do something like that, then we should have the authorities. Because to me, that's ridiculous. you got to be kidding me. And he was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really buy it, but it makes good press. And it does. And But see, that's what happened. It was just because of one song. And, mm. you know, there is a thing called necrobestiality. There's a thing called necro, you know, necrophilia. I mean, it happens. And. Phil wrote a song about it. That's all it is. It's just like, it's a story. <laughs> Nobody ever thought we were doing stories. I guess they thought it was autobiographical. I don't know where they got that idea. But, okay. <laughs> well, but just, but it's music. And, like, you would you would think, like, before. Exactly. But yeah, like, there was bands doing this before you, like Slayer. and like Exactly. Like, we, we knew, and, and, yeah. Exactly. And, and and even worse, like like all my favorite black metal bands, like Venom, Hello, you know, mm-hmm. Thomas Bathory, and, and, and um, you know, or there's the Burn the Witch, and there's, you know, um, Buried Alive. Okay, so they wrote the song Buried Alive, so does that mean Kronos and his buddies are burying people alive over there in England? Probably not. <laughs> but they very I, I think I really think it's because I was a girl I do I think it was like I don't know some something because of me saying it like I didn't write that song Phil did so I'm an observer I always felt like an actress because most of the songs were written by him in the original like first album and stuff except for nuclear death so uh it was sort of like you know he's having me portray a character it's like being in a Stephen King novel I'm playing this observer and I'm watching this happen or I could play a person that's in the song like the seventh nun I'm just discussing it it's a discussion seven nuns unholy you know one must die I'm 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 singing it about them but I'm it's as if I'm reading this in a novel to you except I'm screaming it but whatever you know in other words I never looked at it like it it would be where people would take it any other way except that it's music like you're saying mm-hmm. you know and it was like i mean come on don crotsley's got nun slaughter and it's like nobody's thinking he's over there slaughtering nuns he's one of the nicest people i've ever met in my life i just definitely met mm-hmm. last year and he had me sing on some stuff of his and he was the sweetest nicest person in the whole world but he's having me go say around sister and like sing about slaughtering nuns and killing them and decapitating people whatever so okay but you know so that's what i'm saying like i don't know i just felt like there was some stigma of me being i don't think it would have been as impactful without a, a woman singing man i really don't i don't because there's many bands with guys singing all kinds of crazy shit why mm-hmm. why us because i was doing it it's a woman doing it that's crazy man weirdo wow. like, you? there was even this girl that got mad at me and said she had, <laughs> when we put out our first video that unalive in texas this woman claimed she had a freaking miscarriage because she was watching our video. <laughs> and I laughed. I couldn't do it. There's nothing I could do. She got all mad at me, and I was like, I don't care. I had to laugh. I thought, are you fucking high? Get real. Wow. Wow. Do you ever think yeah. maybe yeah. you could you could write a book about all of this? Oh, it will be. I mean, I haven't wrote my... Originally, when I uh, promised myself when I turned 50, I was going to write memoirs, but I had no idea what was to come. When I made that statement, I was about 35 years old, and I had no idea what kind of life I was going to... What was going to come after that? What kind of life I was going to start leading? And that it would have never happened. I mean, if I was thinking of it now and said it would make more sense, even so because of where I'm at in my life, my mind, how everything's clear... I've been, you know, off drugs for years and years and years. But back when I said it, I was a clean living person 
And I had no idea that in a couple of years I was going to go back down or go, I should say, start going down a really dark road and then go down some of the darkest drug roads ever and stay there for quite a while back and forth, high, heavy drinking and just playing with a lot of fire and being very self-destructive because of things that happened to me. So, you know, and not realizing why I was doing that. So anyway, yeah, I it's a book would definitely happen. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, I'm a writer anyway, so of course it has to happen. It's just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I think it's definitely something that I would like to read. Oh, I want to read it. I want to, I have to remember too, because you know, there's a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say there's a lot of blank spots. I really do have a good memory. I think it's something my father always used to warn me about. He always said he, my, my father had a memory like a steel trap. He had like a great memory and he used to warn me and he'd say, look, here's the thing about having a good memory. It's going to get you. You're going to love it. It's going to be great for your music and it's going to be horrible for your life because it's going to get you in a lot of trouble. And he's like, so just know that. Be careful because people don't like being reminded of things. People also don't like when you know what really happened and they don't. They want to make up their own mythology or mythology about what they thought happened. And you're going to find it's going to be excruciating for you to know. He's like, you just, you know, have to weather it. And I mean, it's it's happened before, you know, where it's like, you you figure I was a stoner for like 20 years of my life. And, and I shouldn't remember anything, but I remember almost everything, unfortunately. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's called life. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. And, and if I say I don't remember, it's probably because I don't want to remember. Ah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the memory. Yeah, yeah. You're like, uh, exactly. Because my dad had that too. All of a sudden, he'd be like, but dad, he'd be like, oh, suddenly he's pretending he doesn't remember. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so he taught, me, he, he taught me how to how to pull that bull. And then I can also pull the, oh, man, I was on drugs. I don't remember. That's always a good one. I was blackout drunk. I was blackout drunk. What do I remember? You know. <laughs> Or people will tell me stuff. They'll say, hey, do you remember when you blah, blah, blah? And I'll go, and I will. And I'll go, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's like we the scene here never embraced us. The record companies did not embrace us. I mean, people went to bat for us. Chris Reifert went to bat for me to try to get us signed to their label. And they, the, guy, the dude should have done it, but he was a dipshit and did not. And um, he lost out because he could have made so much more um, I mean, money off of us just in me being me alone. And I don't mean that to be all high and mighty. I mean, I'm a girl. Sex sells. It's even if I wasn't trying to be sexy, that doesn't matter. I had a lot of, you know, people that want to be suitors because there weren't a lot of girls in, in you know. Hardly any. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, like there kind of came a little later. Fine. You got some hot chicks. You know, they came too cool. But for the most part, it was me only and people's girlfriends. So mm-hmm. eventually, you know, yeah. But especially here in, in, in the United States. So, you know, when, when Chris went to bat, and he, you know, he tried, but even he couldn't sway because we were like, had to get away from Wild Rags. And it was like, that dude's a piece of shit. And it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 19 years old. I signed that contract on Easter Sunday. I had no idea. I didn't know that you needed lawyers. I didn't know any of that stuff. And nobody else did either. Everybody just was like, Lori will take care of it. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. I don't know. I didn't know it was a bad contract. I didn't know anything. So that was something I was going to kind of (laughs) maybe get to, to tiptoe around, like... Mr. Richard C. from oh, Wild Rags. Richard, yeah. 
Yeah, so what it's all fucker, true. Right? What a fucker. It, well, the thing that's weird about this fucking dude is that, you know, it, again, it's just weird. Okay, so Richard C. called. It's just weird how this worked out. Richard C. called me the same week I got a fucking phone call from the one and only. Wait, wait, wait. Don't do that. Okay, sorry. My cat's being a little bit too frisky right now. <laughs> Ouch, don't bite mommy. Please, please don't do it. Anyway, there were like, there was like a bunch of, there were, nobody was like, you know, when they say like people are courting you or whatever. Well, we didn't have any of that either. It wasn't like, in fact, I was sort of jealous. It was like people that we knew that don't deserve, as far as I was concerned, their music wasn't good enough to be signed. We're getting signed around here. And I thought, you know, what the, like, are, are you kidding me? Like, it, it just, it, it just like was pissed me off. I was just like, you know, like, how in the world did they get signed? So I started looking around, like, you know, who, who's signing us or who's signing who and how do you do it? Because, you know, who's, who do you have to fuck to get signed? You know, I, you know, it's like, well, I don't understand. So this, the one week, and it was the week of Easter, and I was 19 years old, and it's like, I was, there was this producer named Kim Fowley who famously signed the Runaways. Mm-hmm. Kind of, and you know who he is. Well, he called me on the phone from California and I knew who he was because although I wasn't a big, huge, like fan of the run, well, it's like I became more fan- fanatical of, of females in the music scene later on. But at this time I was jealous of every girl. I thought, well, why do you ever contract? And I don't, so whatever. But anyway, he called me and he uh, introduced himself and told me who he was. And, um, I was like, oh, okay, because I, I understood who he was. I was like, oh, okay. And then he's like, yeah, I look like Rooker Howard. And I thought, well, all right. I said, you mean the dude from Blade Runner? Yes, okay. <laughs> I said, all right. I didn't know why he told me that, but okay. And then he wanted to know, he wanted to know if I wanted to he, he, think about being a solo artist and that he had heard my tape or something. And it's probably our Wake Me When I'm Dead demo. And I famously, because it's either it was a good or bad, but I, now, of course, I think it's good. I used to, sometimes I used to think it was bad, but I told him, no, man. I was like, this is my band. You know, I, we write our own music. I don't know, you know, because he's like, I can make you a star. And I was like, no. I'm like, this, no. I, I have my band. I know what I want to do with it. And I, 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 I want to take this journey or whatever I said. And, uh, He's like, all right, you know, like, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like three days later, Richard C. called. And then he seemed like the person to go with because he knew the scene and he's from California too. And he was all about death metal and thrash metal and whatever the fuck, speed metal. And I thought, cool. And, uh, and plus death metal really hadn't, we hadn't, I don't know who really coined that phrase, but we, that wasn't being, we weren't called that just yet. And, uh, yeah, so at one point I could have maybe went with Kim Fowley and become some weird sticker star or this, I don't know. But eventually Richard C, he came out and it was just, you know, he gave us this contract and I had no idea that it was a bullshit contract for the one thing we paid for our album. My parents paid for it. Actually, my parents paid for us to make our, uh, Bride of Insect. That's how it got made. We didn't get <laughs> You know how record companies give you money and then they take it out of your shit. And people don't realize that. And that's why when they have all these limos or whatever they get or whatever they go on tour, they don't realize that they owe the record company. And then they're ended up being Destiny's Child and they, they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is with us, it was like, I thought, well, that's weird. Because I always thought you get signed, you get money, 
you get a you, you make a record well we got signed we didn't get any money and my parents helped us make the you know my parents gave us the money and then we made the record and then okay and we made the record and then he put it out so more he was more like i think more like a distributor really that's what he really was because otherwise you give us money and then you take it out and he did and then when i asked him about it because i thought you know i've seen how many you know movies where the people get signed and they get money oh well that's in the movies but it's true it, it's that's not true i mean that is how it is and mm-hmm. he was like oh well i'll take it out of your sales well, that didn't help because he didn't know how to market for shit, apparently. And since I was in sales for my, that's how I made my living doing this was doing sales on the phone in person. And I also did market research. I know how to market and I wished I would have done it, but I just didn't know what I, I believed him. And I, he, we didn't work marketed for shit. So of course, again, those rare, those are rare records. You can't really find them. He barely pressed any of them. Well, we don't really know if these are going to sell. I mean, there would have been so many things you could have done. I would have got naked for him. I wouldn't have cared. I was all about exploiting myself for it. I had no problem doing that. Like, in other words, it didn't matter. You couldn't tell me what I couldn't do. It's all good. So he just screwed up again. You know, I said, whatever you need me to do to make this sell, I'll do it. But he just kind of put it on the back shelf, stuck us with Annihilator, which is fine. Went on that little... Uh, again, we went on the Texas tour. Who paid for that? Me, Phil, Joel. Yeah, with our paychecks. That's how we went on tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, like I've heard, like I've heard so and, many bad things. And um, he ended up screwing a lot of people out of money. When um, when we played the Michigan Death Fest, um, the promoter and I don't remember her name and I don't care, but this bitch. She, she, again, I didn't get anything in writing. I didn't know any better. So I didn't know. So we go there and we're, you know, from Arizona. So we're far away. We drove all that way. So we go there and we're opening for, well, we're playing with everybody at the Michigan Death Fest. But what I mean is we're right by Morbid Angel because we're one of the furthest ones and they're the, they're the headliners. Mm-hmm. And we play and we were like up there for like 15 minutes and then they told us to get off. And thankfully, Trey had a, I got a crush on me, thank goodness, we, we shared coffee. It was like, we like coffee. Oh, you like coffee, me too. Great. So him and Dave, who was a singer at the time, the bass player, those two went out and said no. They came all the way from Phoenix, let them play. So they let us play longer and then the only reason we got paid, that girl's like, well, we didn't really make that much money. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're, how are we going to get home? We're stuck. <laughs> yeah. In- yeah. And we were stuck. And I was like, oh, my God. And we were staying with Gorophobia um, at the time. We were staying with, with um, Chris Gamble's parents at their house in Philadelphia. They were so cool. And it was like they let us stay. I was like, oh, my God, we don't have anywhere to stay. And they're like, that's okay. You stay here until you get it sorted out. We call the record company. What does Richard say? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to do. And I'm like, dude, we have to go home. We have no money. So first, Morbid Angel got us paid. They were like, no, you need to give them at least 250 bucks or something. That's not mm-hmm. fair. So what did, she, what did she promise you? I said she promised us 300 So that's what they got us. And then they took us out to <laughs> Subway, and they fed us, which is totally cool. And, um, cause we were starving, man. And, um, then 
the next day we go we're Chris Granville's and called Richard and he I was like you need to wire us money we don't have that much money and this is not going to get us home it's not I said you know once we put this in the gas tank and we had the you know the U-Haul and the van and um finally he fucking sent us money he wired it to Western Union but we stayed on at their house at those lovely gambles house for another three or four days man we became part of the family because yeah I mean it was and it was so cool because his sister was the only other woman besides the mom in the house and I was really happy she was there because I was with a bunch of guys and I got my period and I was pissed off and she let me sleep in her room upstairs it was so great she's like I get you he's like it's all good girl I got you so I was like oh my god just kill me now now I'm bleeding to Oh. I was so pissed. Well, you know, yeah, it's a girl thing. You hate that. Mm-hmm. Everybody else doesn't have that problem. So you're, again, as the only woman, you're like, nobody gives a shit. They don't fucking care. Plug it up and shut up. They don't care. So I had like an ally. And uh, yeah, she was really cool. But yeah, again, the Richard C. thing, no. So after we got back, Phil and I went on a mission. And we made a bunch of flyers at this place called Kinko's Copies where, I, or uh, Kinko's Copy where, I don't know if you've ever seen them or ever heard of them, but we had this like Richard C's a ripoff, Wild Rags ripoff, and we made those and we sent them in every piece of mail that we sent. Wow. And that was good. I mean, people got the message. You know, we were like, they rip people up. Do not sign with this guy. And then supposedly he went to jail for tax evasion or some bullshit. I don't really know if that's true. Karma's a bitch. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've heard all kinds of rumors that he went for tax evasion. I wouldn't doubt it though. This dude was a shy stir. He was just he he. I think he started out honestly liking music, but he just as usual figured out he could take these young dumb fucking people like myself that don't know what the fuck and just exploit the shit out of money wise and just I don't know what I was making I didn't have books you know there's no internet there's no way for me to know anything I didn't know I still don't know what we really sold who would know <laughs> Not <me>. well <laughs> I bought some I bought some I bought some I discovered nuclear yeah. death with with the first record along with bands like Empatigo and Blood Come a lot of those bands from yeah. that label yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, this is actually our second exchange you and I have about when I believe it was the Carrion for Worm record. Did you call me? Uh, no, no. Um, we exchanged letters. I was trying oh, to compile. Really? Yeah, I was trying to compile my second issue of like a like a like a black and white fanzine. What what's it called? It was called Hardware. Really? Wait yeah. a minute. Now, now wait. Did I did I write you back? Yeah, Obviously. yeah. Were you going by Quentin still? Yeah, At that time, yeah. Did I, don't, I didn't use something no. like Satan's Devil Man. Okay. <laughs> well, no, you know, yeah, no I was going by Quentin. Well, that's and this was back when that would have came out, right? Mm, like, I never got to the second issue. My daughter came along and oh, that kind okay, of put okay. the kibosh okay. on everything. But well, that's yeah, interesting, this, man. Yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> we got history, dude. Her yeah, story, it turns history, out. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. It's hey, you know, better late than never, man. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, 
Let me test my memory. You said, like, it was, I. you just sent me the letter back with the questions, you know? Mm-hmm. You were working in a carpet cleaning. Yeah, that's store. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I didn't remember. I wonder which it. one it was, if it was Freedom, the one I ran, or if it was Deluxe, or, yeah, because there, there were many. Like, I started at Freedom Carpet Cleaning, and then they went under, and then when carpet cleaner companies used to go under, they would just rename it and then come back. So uh-huh. I just waited like two days and then they hired me back at Deluxe. Then that one went under. Well, because it was all as a scam. And then the next one was Diamond. And then after that, it was Green Mountain. And then I stopped after a while. I just was like, okay, I'm so done with doing this carpet cleaning things. I'm bored of this. But I, as you can see, I, I speak well and I, I, I gave, as I say, really good phone. And so I used to ro- move up the ranks of any phone job I had real fast. I would like surpass people that had been there for like six years. So, <laughs> and suddenly they'd be working for me and I'd be like, they'd be all pissed off and I'd be like, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, I know how to talk. That's, I know how to sell stuff. That's all I can do. It's, I'm just good at selling shit. It's just what you do, but that's interesting. But yeah, yeah, that was one of my, you know, that was like several years. I met Steve actually. That's how I met Steve. He came in to, uh, work for me on the phone and, um, I found out he was a drummer and, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, that's how I met him. He he worked for me first. Actually, all my band members worked for me. At one point, I hired my brother, his best friend, our two roadies, Andre and Joe, Phil and Joe, all worked at Freedom Carpet Cleaning for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, we did it so we could all make money, and then that we'd go go in on these huge bags of weed, and then that of way course. we didn't have to worry about our weed. Yeah, well, you know, that way it was just so much more cost effective at the time. You know, it was weed was cheap back then, and it was like I don't know what it's like now. Who knows? But I'm just saying, like, it was so easy, and then you're all smoking each other out anyway, so you're just keeping everybody in weeds, who cares, <laughs> and making sales. They were all really good, you know, at, I, you know, I trained everybody that couldn't talk on the phone to talk on the phone, and, you know, you say your script, and then you go send the people out to do the job, so it was really, that was our job. I mean, I didn't have, the carpet cleaning was the other side. We just got the jobs, so, uh-huh. easy. Yep. Right on, right on, right on. Could you ever think that um, if, like, Obscene Extreme Festival comes knocking or whatever, and we want Nuclear Death to do a couple reunion and all that, would you be up to it? Okay, that's weird that you asked this now, because I would have always said, no! Um, okay, so, because of where I am now musically, um, and because I actually was asked by Don Crotsley within the last year to do vocals like that, and this other band, um, Rotting, Rotting Corpse, I think is their name. Any, no, no, Rotting Christ, Cross, something. Anyway, they uh, asked me to do those vocals. And to me, again, these are like a type of vocal. And you have to be careful because back when I was doing it, that's one thing. But now I'm here and I'm using my real voice and I have to be careful because I just that silent reflux. I mean, who knew I was doing this on bird vocal cords all these years, but anyway, to ask your question, um, I would do it if I had either Steve would do the drums for me and we would find a, um, another player or I would have other players. I will never work with Phil or Joel again, ever, especially Phil because he's an abusive person. I mean, he was an abusive a violent boyfriend. And so I would never work with an abuser. And Joel was just sort of a douchebag. I mean, the sad thing is, is that Brian Pattison put it best in their, him and Alan 
and they're glorious times. It wasn't glorious times though for me. It wasn't. It was a horrible nightmare to be in a band with those two. Um, they just, it was just either it was physical abuse, mental, or with Phil, or I'm sorry, with Joel, it was just constant. See, he thought he was a rock star already. So his idea was to constantly make us wait. He was always late. He lived further than us. So it was like never on time. I mean, at first he was all dedicated. In fact, he paid for the first demo. But after that, as soon as we got a little taste of a couple shows, it, I mean, I don't know why he thought we were rock stars because hello, everybody hated us, but whatever, he was getting pussy. So there you go. He gets girls and that was it. And it was like, he was constantly, it would be like, we would be at our practice room waiting and waiting for hours and he wouldn't show up. And then finally he'd show up and then we'd have to go home because I got to get up and go to work. And so does Phil. And, you know, he just would do that kind of shit or he'd be all wasted when he came, you know, yeah. yeah. And then he couldn't play. Mm, he did a lot of that stuff. So unfortunately, that's him. He wasn't, a, I wouldn't call him like, he's not violent or anything. He was just that kind of like really irresponsible. And then he, he never got that if that, see, I would get in trouble for that with Phil because I'm supposed to know how to handle our band. So if Joel didn't show up, I get in trouble. And then that wasn't fun because there was a lot of physical altercations because of it, because I should know better how to run my band. So yeah. So that's the reason that that wouldn't happen uh, in that context is I wouldn't never share a stage or any. I don't I mean, I'm so glad I've never run into them even living here. I just no, I don't. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. So, yeah, that's that's why, though. That's why, because it took me it took me a long time to to get through everything because it was so, I mean, Phil was my first boyfriend. Who knew I was going to have an abusive boyfriend? I didn't even know what that was. And back then, you don't talk about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't tell people. You don't say anything. You suck it up and you move on with your day. And the thing is, dude, is the music was so great that I, I went ahead and stayed. I stayed until the music wasn't great. And then Steve came along. And when he came along, everything changed. See, that's what happened is that he came along and he allowed me to open up and I had an ally. And then suddenly Phil couldn't just keep us in this box because he kept keeping us in a box. It's like the first two albums are great, but then I wanted to move on. Like, okay, let's do something different. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I was like, but dude, you know, as an artist, you have to grow and he just didn't buy it. And he was because he's not really a real artist. I mean, he's like, he knows how to play this and that's it, that's it. But me, I'm seasoned. Steve used to play jazz and trumpet, so he was really open. And we just clicked, and he saved my life. He literally saved my life. He took me, and that's when we became a two-piece. And I moved out of Phil's den of horrors after six years. But I, I lived nuclear death because of the music. I let everything happen to me, the concussions, the beatings, all of that was okay as long as the music was good. So that's what those albums mean to me. It's me really taking a whipping but or taking a licking but keep on ticket just right. like the timex watch you know but yeah if people i mean and honestly i hate to say it i'm not saying that i'm more popular but really without me there is no nuclear death so mm -hmm. if i show up who cares people do it all the time they play with different people i mean you know and 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 like i said steve really to me is the classic drummer i mean joel only played on the first record in the demos Steve's played on all the rest of the album, so really he is the drummer, in my mm -hmm. opinion. So if me and him played, 
and we're still friends, by the way, even though we, we haven't been together. We, we were together for 12 years, and but we're still friends. So, you know, we live in opposite sides of the country, but I mean, yeah, but at least we can still have a conversation. And, um, you know, but yeah, that's so it's like it would be yes. And if possibility, but and then it would have to be the right timing because I'm I'm so it took me so long to get where I am with my own music that honestly, I have way too much to say right now, you know, <laughs> as a as a solo artist. <laughs> Well, that's what I want to talk about, actually. What is Lori Bravo doing now, creatively? Well, right now, I've finished my new album. As a solo artist, I've been a solo artist since the year 2000, first of all. People don't know that because not much stuff came out at that time, but I have been. So I dissolved Nuclear Death in the year 2000, and I broke up with Steve at the same time. It's a, I, I actually dissolved the two relationships the same day. It was just, we had ran our course. It wasn't like I hated him. It wasn't anything like that. We just, you mm -hmm. know, he kind of lost, he lost, when people lose passion for music, I can't be around you anymore. That's how it works. Because to me, that's the only reason I'm alive. So if you can't be alive for that too, then forget it. Because my, my music's more important than anybody, anything, anywhere. So it's like, you're, it's always been more important than maybe that's why my boyfriends have both been in the band because you have to be doing my passion. I don't think I could date someone that doesn't work with me because you, I can't, you have to be doing what I'm doing. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But anyway, we, he, unfortunately, Steve did bring one bad thing to me and that was hard drugs. He introduced me to that scene, which he wasn't in when we first met at all. His friend introduced us to crystal meth and we went on. And of course, me being a person that likes to stay up all day and a very addictive personality was very addicted to it. But anyway, 12 years, we were good. And then we weren't. I dissolved nuclear death and made the last album with him. And then I moved on and I met some other people and not in a band wise. I mean, not really. But, you know, I started writing poetry I started getting into what I would have been if I had been allowed to be who I am but unfortunately both of my boyfriends were sort of misogynistic slightly much more Phil obviously than Steve but Steve's sort of old-fashioned and he really kind of didn't want me blossoming and he sort of kept me down like he didn't want me to be me I guess and and I realized suddenly I realized it or something. It's like, I, I got sober before he did. I finally thought this is stupid. All we do is sit around and smoke drugs. And I did write the planet Cachexial. Thank goodness. I wrote albums during that time, but I got tired of it. I thought we need to stop doing drugs. I'm sick of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, he didn't want to. And I understand that people have to stop. So I got into health and he continued and that doesn't work. So whatever. But with that came a lot of paranoia and weirdness. And then I got out of that and I met a friend. I met this person. We became really good friends. And I started off on a different path. And I started writing my own material for the first time where it's all me. And it was a, there's a lot of recordings that I'm going to be making a Patreon next year once we're moved and settled in New Orleans. Um, and I'm going to be releasing all of these songs I never released that were done on my Tascam 8-track back in the day. I'm sorry. Yeah, 8-track back in the day. Me and Steve made some. I made some on my own with other people. That would be fun for people to pay a dollar and get because you won't get it anywhere else. That's what I thought I would do with those. But in the meantime, there's a lot of 
material that never got done correctly. And then I finally, finally, I made I'd Marry the Devil. And that kind of came out because of this friend of mine that I became really close with, uh, create, uh, she introduced me to a drummer, or he introduced me to a drummer, this woman named Jessie, 16-year-old girl at the time, actually, that was playing drums. And she and I are still dear friends to this day. She actually is a working jazz drummer in New York City. She's amazing, and she played for me. And she ended up playing on that album. And um, yeah, I made it all on my four-track task, and my four-track, literally, is what, what I Married the Devil is made on. And it's all these songs I wrote after being released from boys, honestly. It was like, I finally was like, didn't have anyone else telling me I needed to play like this person, or you ought to do that because this is what Slash does. You ought to do this because Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I was really, uh, oh, brainwashed to be, you know, I, I wanted to be able, I mean, I knew how to play like Eruption and all that because that's what impresses the boys in high school. But then it got old. It's like, okay, now I want to play. Like, how does Lori play? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I was starting to learn with Harmony Drinks to Me how Lori plays because those songs were written by me. I sat at home alone writing the most of the body work of Harmony. And, and Steve would attest to that. He was at Aeropark Bicycle building bikes, and I would write music all day, and he'd come home, and then we'd work on it. So all of those songs were sort of me realizing how I write. Like maybe I, and then still kind of being tethered to nuclear death though, where it's dark. I mean, I'm dark anyway, but what I mean is they became slightly autobiographical, but I still wasn't there just yet. I was still sort of metaphorically speaking about things in the songs instead of being honest like I am now. But I married the devil, I got honest. I got real and I um, have been, really got into the, I had totally missed Nirvana and all that, the whole and Bays and Toyland and that whole scene. I didn't even know that existed. Steve and I didn't listen to the radio or watch TV the whole time that I was writing The Planet of Shaxiel. We didn't do anything but read books. So I didn't even know about any of that stuff. I didn't know about any of that mania, nothing. So I got into all this shit late and it was perfect because it ignited me. And then that's when all the songs I died, Mary the Devil came out. And there's a lot of like girl power kind of songs on there because I didn't know about that stuff. I didn't know I could be powerful at all as a female, only as Lori and nuclear death, the entity, not a woman. But when I became, I became a woman during that cycle. It's like, wait, I can actually be okay with being a woman. Well, that's cool. Now what do I have to say? So I did, I'd marry the devil. And then a couple years later, as I became more and more addicted to drugs, I wrote When the Sun Dies, which is all about the loss of people, including my father, and drug use, which is just an EP. And those are on my band camp, of course, now. It took me years to find, refine that and put it up there. But I did that while I was actually on crystal meth. I mean, I was just completely off my rocker, totally, like, just so addicted and sick and I was living in my mom's house and she didn't know of course because I seem like I'm up on shit anyway listen to me I just am up like I'm the person that should never be on anything because I'm already up you see well, yeah, that, yeah, right? you got it going on right so it's like that was so dumb because I never I mean I feel like I'm on drugs right now and I'm not on anything so it's like you know I just am up anyway so I didn't know that but anyway yeah so those so anyway to answer your question about what I'm doing now then many years passed with lots of drug addiction. I became a heroin addict, which I never was a shoot-up heroin addict, but I was a very heavy smoker. Um, I became a heroin addict for five years. 
and I was living on my own uh, with a friend and you know I went into that scene deeper and deeper and it was almost as if it was just a normal scene and I I, I did not write that's the one drug I realized I thought well, how the fuck do do did William S Burroughs and Kurt Cobain all these people write on heroin I can't do it it didn't make sense to me I thought this doesn't work for me it's not the drug for me. I mean, the Planet Cachexia was completely written on speed. I mean, I didn't write the music on speed, but the the uh, the the, the uh, storybook. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. that was that was realized. So that made sense to me, being like doing the Philip K. Dick. In fact, I was reading Philip K. Dick when I wrote it. That was the whole point. It's, let's get on his drugs and write this. Okay, let's write my novel, my little mini novel. So okay, but with this album, I'm I've been you know I've been clean from drugs for like almost 11, 12 years now, but alcohol is like a heavy, not alcoholic, I've never been alcoholic, but I've been a heavy drinker on and off. And then I've been on medication that's shut down my personality on and off for years, which I got off in 2014, I think. So um, yeah, it's a long time coming. This album, Bare Bones, I suddenly thought, I wanna go back to when I first started playing guitar, where all I did was sit on, a, you know, in my bedroom with my dad's old acoustic, nylon acoustic and you know and I taught myself to play when I was 10 years old I was actually nine and um go back to that that go back to stripping myself bare no effects because I married the devil I was using all kinds of effects I did a bunch of guitar solos so I'm sure I could prove I was a badass on guitar you know I was trying to prove myself you know but this album I was like I don't need to do any of that shit I want to be real and just tell you what's going on what's been going on for the past seven years in my life and that's what this album is about and and that's why it's called bare bones and little did I know that I've always planned on making the album cover where I'm stripped naked on the cover and you can't really see anything but I've got my knees up and obviously it's so you can sell it you know you can't see anything my hair is hanging and then there's a, I was always going to have juxtaposed behind it um, a bunch of um, saguaros. Like there's this, we're the only place that has saguaro cactus. And um, I was going to take a picture of this mountain by our house that has saguaro cactus all over it. They look like crosses. And then put that behind it like a, like a double exposure because it's sort of the feeling of that, 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 that pain of, of cactus. And... Um, I had no idea when I was going to do this record that I was going to end up literally looking like how I'm going to look. But I'm really skinny and I'm, I'm healthy, but it's weird. And it's like, oh, now I have the body to look literally like what the album is. I can see my bones. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, that's a trip. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but but yeah, um, it's sort of my goodbye to Arizona too. You know, um, it's a goodbye to all. I We lost... Four of my my kids got died this year, my cats, and they died in succession, really bad, one after the other, from horrible diseases like kidney disease and tumors. And we also lost our family dog this year. And so it's just been grief, 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 grief. So it's dedicated to them, and also that's where the dedication's gonna lie, is just all my fallen people, because it was just like, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why, the only thing I can think of is that they're all the same. They're so, I've never lived with this many senior cats in my life. They've always been way different ages. So maybe that might be something, but it was just awful. And it was like one every month that somebody was dropping dead. It was horrible. Oh, so there's, yeah, so that's happened. And because of that, that sort of, you know, I started working on the album last March in proper. And I just finished it 
what, like less than four weeks ago, I did the last song, Diamond Heart. And some of the songs, one of the songs is 10 years old. I found it on Facebook. It showed up and said, you might like this memory. And it was me singing this song called Fry Park. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Look at that. <laughs> so I thought, you know, this is a really good song. I'm going to put it on the record. So I did. And I'm so happy I found it because it never got recorded. Um, again, that was one of these times when I was living with my mom and I was a speed freak still. And I had this friend, uh, David. He's a bass player. He's a really good friend of mine. And we would play all night and record, but we never did it properly because we were always too, you know, drugged out to fucking do anything correctly. It was like we just play and play and play and play and stay up all night. And then I go to bed, eat a peanut butter sandwich, go back get dragged out again, play and play and play. But that came up and I thought, oh man. So yeah, one of the songs is 10 years old. And um, I kind of felt like it sort of has almost like an Alice in Chains feel to it because it's I sing it in thirds, but boy, is it cool. I was like, this is a cool song, man. I'm going to fucking put it on. <laughs> I can't wait to so, hear it. Yeah, it's really cool. It's just, uh, you know, and, you know, but yeah, this album is just, it's very stripped down. I barely use any effects, very minimal harmony, which is hard for me because I'm a harmony freak. Um, but, uh, and just um, very little uh, instrumentation, no drums, no bass. The only thing is it's acoustic, electric, and piano. And that's it. That's the only th instruments I use on it. Or, or beats. Like, in other words, I made a beat with my mouth and thought it was cool, and then I looped it. That's for a song called What Do the Beautiful People Eat? And I just made a beat with my mouth into the microphone. I went, and then I recorded it and made a loop. And so there's stuff like that on there, too. Wow. That's yeah. creative. Well, I thought it would be... I was trying to find a beat, you know, like a loop on GarageBand, and I just couldn't find anything. And I knew what I could hear in my head, and I thought, I should just do it and be like a beatbox. And I was like, just happened to be watching this fucking really funny movie called CB4. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I remember, like, you know, it's like Chris Rock and, and, and a, a bunch of other comedians pretending that they're like they're like uh, NWA, but it's not. So instead, they're... They're not, NW, uh, they're not NWA, but they're like that. And they use the same kind of music and whatever. And it, anyway, I was thinking of them and I was thinking of beats and beatboxing. And uh -huh. I thought, beatboxing, that's what I'll do. So I turned that off and ran upstairs, put on the mic, went in there and did this. this and then I recorded it once and then I looped it and I thought, there it is. And I was like, okay, now I don't have to worry. And I went back down and finished watching C before because I've seen it a million times. It's hilarious. It's a great, great, funny movie. But I just thought, oh, beatbox. Yeah, that's what I'll do. So, you know, if you can't do it or if you can't find it, do it, I guess. Right. With, out, with your mouth. Use your voice. <laughs> make a noise, you know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, wisdom. You'll wisdom see, here. You know, you'll see. It's just, it was really kind of cool because I did this all on my own. That was the other idea. I had... um. I love PJ Harvey and I have for years. And when she made her album, uh-huh, her, she did everything on it, but drums. And I thought someday I'm going to make an album where I do everything on it. Maybe drums, maybe not drums. I don't know. And I didn't, but, uh, but yeah, I was like, I want to do something like that. And then I finally got the chance and I was like, okay, this is my chance. Now I'm ready to do a record. And I thought I'm going to do everything. I'm going to record, I'm going to sing everything, play everything, record it all, engineer it all. 
do the layout, do the photography, do the damn typeface that I hate doing, but nobody can read my writing, so I can't pay anybody to do it. And uh, I still have to do it, actually. It's 11 songs of lyrics. I'm like, ah, kill me. And um, yeah, and then, uh, and then put it out. And the only thing, I only was going to have a friend master it, but COVID happened, and then no mastery. And I had to learn how to master myself because, uh, yeah, he couldn't. I mean, he could have done it, but his system didn't work with GarageBand, and I used GarageBand, and so it just didn't work. We couldn't do it. We kept trying to send the song back and forth, and it didn't work. And I'm like, <laughs> so uh, I went to this guy, Peter Johns, who has a YouTube channel. He's English, and he does gives free everything free about GarageBand, and he showed where to master your shit. And so I, I was going to master it, and then I'm into this musician. She's a, she's a neo folk artist named Diane Cluck, and she's from here, Pennsylvania. Uh, in, in, in the States and uh, I've been listening to her a lot and I learned that a lot of her records I love her records and I've only been in her for several months also so it's like I was listening and a lot of her stuff is recorded like you can hear rain you can hear a ceiling fan it sounds like she's in her living room and I thought you know what I wonder if this is uh, just how she does so I contacted her through Instagram and I asked her straight up. I said, look, I'm trying to master this shit and I almost feel like maybe it sounds good enough. You know, I don't know. I mean, to me, it sounds great. I don't know if, and she's like, you know, if you think it sounds great, why do you need to, you know, you want it to be bare bones, right? She's like, so you're, it's already stripped. You probably don't have to master it. And I thought, you know, you're probably right. So I ended up not having to do it because I did master a couple, but it didn't seem to really make a difference enough for it to make a difference. It's not that kind of polished record to where you would need to master it. I kind of like that you don't master it. Like there's a time where you hear my our poor dog, Duder, he's barking on it. He was still alive at the time, and I didn't know that when he was on my mic because I was singing and the door was open. I don't want to take that out. He's on there. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And he'll be on there forever. Or... There is a ceiling fan at some point. Yes, whoops, because it was really hot. It's in the middle of summer, and it's anka, anka, anka. But I, I can drown it out, so it's okay. It's character. I not, yeah, I thought that I'm not doing these vocals again. I was like, I just did these fucking vocals, and I'm not doing them again. I just didn't want to do it again. I thought, I no. And plus, at first, when I started, I was having panic attacks. Uh, I do have panic disorders, so I was having them. Just even to get in the studio was making me so anxious. I would be like, Unfortunately, I am sort of a perfectionist, even though I always say I'm not. I am. I know when something's right and when it's wrong or when it's done. And if it's not right, it's going to bother me and bother me. And I'll be awake in the middle of the night, or I should say the middle of the morning, bothering me. You know, my stomach will churn. I just forget it. So I thought, you know, it's like, I don't mean to be like that, but the first half a year of me doing the record, I would have eggs pet every time I would go up to the studio. It'd be, I would set a Saturday. And I go, all right, now I'm going to go up there. And I go up there and my, I, my, I would start having a panic attack and I'd have to wait and breathe and calm down. And then I'd do the song. And then I would come down and be all happy because the song would be done. I usually only do it in one day, the song, and then come back down and play it for my mom. And she'd be like, cool, or whatever, awesome. And, and I'd go, okay, phew. And then I'd get on with the, you know. <laughs> That's kind of how it was recorded, though. You know, it was like, it's really neat having my mom around for the process because she doesn't know anything about it and she's actually witnessed firsthand what it's 
to to live with a working artist. I mean, my mom was an art historian. She's a professor of history. That's what she used to do for a living. And it's one thing to, to study them. It's another thing to live with one. And I know it's hard on her because I'm nuts. And she's not like that. She's a very, um, she's a waspy person. You know, she's very waspy and very keep your feelings, you know, in check and be very, you know, you're all good. Everything's balanced. There's no bullshit. And so me with my crazy Looney Tunes mind, I've got to drive her nuts. And so it's nice for her to see where the when you don't waste the crazy, you put the crazy into something good instead of just being crazy. Because, <laughs> you know, she wasn't around for nuclear death. I didn't live with them, so it didn't matter. She wasn't around for the earlier. I mean, I married the devil. She was teaching and I was living back with my parents and my my dad was around for that album and he'd just sit around smoking a cigarette outside and then he'd come in and watch TV and know that I was recording there in the other room that sounds good you know that's about it it was fine so you know and then when I recorded when the sun dies when I told you I was all crystal messed up that EP my mom was in New Orleans visiting my brother so I was alone so this is the first time I've it's neat to sh- of all people to share this with it's really neat that I'm sharing it with her because she gets to hear it first before anyone else and mm-hmm. it's like you know and it's not like she's gonna my mom you know she's an intelligent person so what's nice is it's not like she knows everything about music but she she does know and of course her favorite person in the entire world is Leonard Cohen so if I if I can even get Leonard Cohen to spit at me in her mind good so because my god it's leonard fucking cohen after all and you know if anyone can turn a phrase so that's kind of neat because she if she says if she likes it i figure fuck you know she likes leonard cohen (laughs) and he's the greatest songwriter ever right you know one of them anyway so you know so if I feel good about that, I feel okay. Well, you know, it's not like mommy saying, "Oh, that's so good, honey." Cause it's not like that. You know, if she didn't think it was good, she'd say, "Well," mm-hmm. or she'd go, eh, "You know." But no, it was. You know, I kind of know when to come down and not play or something. Go, no, never mind, fuck it. You know, cause it's gonna suck anyway or whatever. You know what I mean? But right. Yeah, but this is this is the first thing I've ever done totally on my own, and it totally everything from the moment that you everything is all me. There's not the only thing I won't be doing is making the CD manufacturing. I do not know how to do that, so that's it. <laughs> that's the only thing I don't know how to do though. So that, but yeah, so this is this is to me is a big milestone because it's a lot, many years in the making, many trials, tribulations, sadness, horrible suffering, horrible. And uh, I did suffer for this a lot. And, and, and I mean, not presently, but the things I'm singing about are things where I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to talk about this. I guess that's time. And uh, yeah, so, you know, and, and especially one of the beautiful people eat um, about being, you know, having an eating disorder since I was 10 and being the fat kid for years and years and then the starving kid and then the not, you know, just horrible, you know, and how it is, you know, that's the other persecution here, of course, is, is weight. So I don't care how cool it is now. It wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. You don't want the fat girl from nuclear death at all. You need to be look a certain way. And Phil was very, um, 
I kind of commend him because even though he was controlling, he kind of, he's the reason that I got the way I look for nuclear death because he kind of wouldn't allow me to eat, basically. <laughs> it was high, you know, no, really. He would like kind of dole out, you're allowed this today. And then pot helps because you just smoke and then whatever. And for me, I'm not a munchy person. I don't get munchies. So I would smoke and not be hungry at all, actually. So, um, yeah, but I lived on cigarettes and coffee and cup of soups for a long time to look the way I did in nuclear death. Um, <laughs> because that's what everybody wanted. Like, you know, I, I mean, you know, at the tour bus, you know, I'll be driving in the tour bus in the middle of the fucking desert or something. And, and he'd be like, put some makeup on. So when you meet people, you look good. I mean, I wasn't allowed to go out. Yeah. Oh, 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 what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I had acne at the time, so I was very conscious, self-conscious of my facial, my face. And so I would be fine slapping on some makeup and put some eyeliner on. Yeah, when we got to Michigan, actually, we were going to meet some people. And he's like, oh, I, we have been driving for I don't know how long, man. I was so tired. And I certainly didn't want to wear makeup. And he was like, you better put some makeup on before you meet anybody so you look good. And I was like over there, you know, putting the black eyeliner and doing the whole thing. And it's okay. I mean, I, whatever. You know, it's it's probably why if you see pictures of me now, a lot of times I don't wear makeup just because, fuck you, I don't have to. You know, whatever. Mm. I mean, I, I, don't, I love makeup. I mean, I, I'm an artist, too. I'm a visual artist, so I love makeup and dressing up and having fun and black eyeliner. That's my signature, but... I'm just saying it was like, you know, it was always sort of like you need to look this way, you know, so that that way people he's like, because remember, he's like, people got to want to fuck you to sell. All right. You know, whatever he believes, if that's fine, I don't care. Whatever works, you know, it's like if he thinks that fine, you know, right. I didn't think it mattered, whatever, you know, but sure. OK, Phil. We'll go with that one, you know? <laughs> so funny. I mean, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then, but I have to laugh because I'm such a feminist, and I didn't even know what that term was back in the day. My mom raised me to be one, and again, we didn't use those terms. She just raised me to be strong, and I didn't know any of this. I didn't know I was being oppressed, dude. I had no idea. Oh, I had no idea that I was being, like, held down by the man. I just didn't know. <laughs> I just thought that's what boyfriends do. That's the other thing. I didn't have any any other, you know, I just thought that's what you do. You know, your boyfriend, you want me to look good? Okay, fine. You want me to put some lingerie on and walk around? Fine. Whatever you want. That's that's fine. Whatever. I didn't know mm -hmm. until I met Steve. And then Steve was like, he didn't care what I looked like. I mean, he and I dressed alike. We were in jeans, T-shirts, you know, nuclear death. So we didn't <laughs> know. I, and he didn't care what I fucking wore. and give a fuck. So I was like, oh, okay, so I can wear my, you know, my fucking Converse and okay, I don't have to do this too. No, I don't have to wear makeup. No, it doesn't matter. Okay. But, you know, you just live and learn.
If you're not tuned in to The Shining Wizards, listen to what some of our fans have to say about the show. Hey guys, it's the Stallion. And when I'm contemplating suicide, I throw on The Shining Wizards because nothing makes me feel better than knowing I'm not one of these four grown adults, virgin fucking marks, discussing a fake wrestling product. Tune in live every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. East, rantemradio.com. It's The Shining Wizards where it's wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Mighty Empatigo from their Horror of the Zombies record that was a boneyard. And before that, well, sadistic intent, okay, they go back to the old wild rags 
Records days with tonight's creature feature with their impending doom EP. Well, in 2002, they re recorded a song from that record called Morbid Faith. The B side to that single was a wicked cover of The Exorcist by Possessed. And of course, if our longtime listeners are like, Sadistic Intent, okay, I don't remember them back then, but that name kind of sounds familiar. Well, for a number of years, when Jeff Becerra from Possess kind of put the band back together again, yeah, it was him, and the rest were all members of Sadistic Intent, huh. and all that, <laughs> you know. And of course, of course, being from Wild Rags Records back then, that's when I first got my first sniff of Sadistic Intent was during that whole scene. So we had to drop a track from them. And starting it all off from Nuclear Death's second album, Carrion for Worms. That was Return of the Feasting, which thank you so much, Miss Bravo, for taking the time out of your schedule and just basically sharing. Okay, like 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 I said, I could probably write her biography, and if there's anyone that would have a really really interesting book and a real page turner it would be tonight's guest there was some stuff there that just i I have to admit as she was talking i was losing some respect for some of these key people you know that as as i was a teenager and all that like i loved i loved flotsam and jetsam sacred reich is one of my favorite bands and to hear what she went through with her boyfriend slash bandmate, you know, during the nuclear death heyday, I'm just like, ah, you know, it's just like, ah, this is, this is not, this is not good. But hopefully, you know, now everyone has kind of matured and has a lot more respect, probably the same amount of respect that we have for Miss Bravo and she's got new material as she said in the interview um, something obviously that's going to be very different from Nuclear Death and all that but you know the second her bare bones record drops dude we gotta have her back on Oh yes and all that because she's just she is just a fantastic person and I want to have her on once again um Hopefully sometime soon, we are going to be, um, tonight's Indie Spotlight, we'll be talking about them with the same, um, the same energy, the same effort, just the same respect that we have for Ms. Bravo. We're always on the lookout for fresh new talent. Check out this Indie Spotlight. I want to introduce our listeners to a really cool band out of Austin, Texas. Death Roll, their new EP, Into the Vortex, available now and this came across my desk i gave it a spin it's like this is really cool it's something i can really get behind and honestly it what really caught my attention 
is that um, everyone would know who Kevin Talley is. Drum, drummer extraordinary in the underground. He's done time in Dying Fetus. Misery Index has done some work with suffocation and all that. Well, he lent his talent to this project, and I got to say, it is quite impressive. So, without further ado, let's introduce everyone to Death Roll from Into the Vortex. This is Visceral End. slash death roll metal and go to deathrollband.bandcamp.com as you heard that is some absolutely amazing stuff and while you are on bandcamp checking out death roll go and grab a copy of that um silence equals death that we played earlier as well that is some really cool stuff well, my friend, not really as much, uh, not really much uh, in the terms of you and I yakking all night. But um, hey, we we had to make through make make 
some room for tonight's uh, creature feature who had us absolutely spellbound and, you know, our ears to the speaker. Um, how can people get a hold of us? Well, dear snowman, one of the best ways to get a hold of us is to hit us up on any of our social media, right? Instagram at uh, radmetal666. Twitter also at radmetal666. Drop us a line at Gmail. Um, rabbitle666 at gmail.com or go to the Facebook. Damn it. Facebook.com slash radmetal. <laughs> I don't know why I struggle with this every week. You think by now I'd be getting better at this. <clears throat> right? So those are like our main places to get a hold of us. Then you can go to radioactivemetal.org get all of our back pages. Right? Mm-hmm. All the back issues, all the back episodes. You can go back Dig through the archive and find the moment that Kareen rechristened Decibel Magazine as Decibel Magazine <laughs> and has just le- left that impression on our hearts so we can't pronounce it any other way now. Mm-hmm. So find those things. And then if you're in the know, if you're hip, if you're habiting, you're listening to this on Thursday on purerockradio.net because you're ahead of the curve. You want to mm-hmm. first. And that's what we recommend. Because Rich really needs to know that all the shit we put him through is worth it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh And then um, we are proud members of the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. We are also on Spotify through Shining Wizards. So check them out there. And um, our our sister brother, um, you know, non-binary, gender-neutral podcast, um... A wrestling night in Canada is also there, dude. Did you see the um, thing I tagged a, ra- a wrestling night in Canada in uh, on Instagram? Did you see that? Oh, with the wrestling buddies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I saw oh. that. And I remember that commercial. I'm like, this is totally how these guys start every episode. I know it. They get the wrestling buddies out. This is exactly oh. what's going on. Oh, don't remind me of the wrestling buddies. Oh my god. I do. Oh. That's I know that's how you guys start every episode. I know it. in my heart that's what I see every time. Like that that's and don't tell me any different. I don't want to know. But um, <laughs> Okay. Oh crap. Right. So Wrestling Night in Canada, Shine Wizards Network, like tons of great stuff out there, man. Tony and the guys are just wonderful, wonderful people. Go check out their shows as well. And I feel like that's everything except for this last bit. So we have reminisced about the old days, about mm-hmm. tape trading, about the days before the interwebernets where everything was instant and, and delivered right to your fingertips. So if you long for a little bit of nostalgia, if you are cooped up in your house and you can't go anywhere and you need just an outlet, a creative outlet, maybe you just need to get something out, you'd, you'd like to write a sonnet, send it to us. Like... Get our get, so you go to um, any one of those things we talked about earlier the Gmail, Facebook. You say, Hey, I want to send Snowy a letter, and we'll get you his address. You send it to him. You guys converse via snail mail, via moose mail. Um, you know, I think carrier pigeon in some parts of Canada. I think the French speaking Canada is more carrier pigeon, Manitoba yeah. seems more moose. <laughs> you know, I, I think doesn't one of them use like the, like the Wolverine, I think, somewhere in one of the other provinces. Right yeah. up north, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so just depending on the province where you're at, you know, depends on the animal that they use to help get the mail around. You know, it's whatever they could domesticate at the time. You know, so I was thinking of something, speaking of French-speaking Canada, 
how did you guys isolate it? Because, you know, like, like a lot of times when you get like different languages, they just kind of take over. But you guys are really isolated. It's like, nope, nobody outside this province speaks French. We're not going to have it. We're not going to take it. Yeah, it's, it's just, it just seems to be like we, there's French speaking people like across across the country. But they seem, yeah, it's mostly it's mostly the province of Quebec. Yeah, it's a high, yeah. high concentration. There. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, those crazy French speaking Canadians. But anyway, so that's how you can get a hold of us. Send Snowy a letter. Because, you know, his pigeons are getting bored. Um, they need something to do, you know. And so it, it keeps everybody happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, this whole this whole idea of doing the snail mail and all that is inspired from the old days of the pen bangers. And the so back dirty. Metal Forces magazine and then Metal Maniacs. And, of course, going back to the old demo days. I'll make everyone a deal. You set me up with your band's old-fashioned demo on cd or cassette the old-fashioned way you set me up and i will bump that band to the top of the list in our indie spotlight section oh hell yeah yeah we get a demo cassette yeah Yeah, now um email us the mp3 or the link to Bandcamp because like lord trying to transfer a cassette to digital so we can get on this show (laughs) that that's just a challenge we do not want to deal with um (laughs) because that that's going to be a fun time here but um, not that it can't be done, but I know I don't have the tools to do that anymore. And I'm no. sure Snowy and I can work through it, but it's going to be a little, little bit of work. It'll be a little so bit of work. Yeah, send yeah. a cassette to Snowy. It will get cranked on the boombox. I will, um, you know, be, be looking for your Gmail or wherever else you send it. And we'll, get, we'll get the digital copy and we will party it like it's 1985. Right on, right on. And speaking speaking of the good old days, let's go out on an old funeral track um, from that Our Condolences record. But it was the title track from their Abduction of Limbs demo. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been a Bravo, Bravo episode of Radioactive Metal. I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off. Now we don't know nothing at all Be it out of this morning, I 
There is only, 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 only. 